The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I am Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Seneca's letter number 66, subtitled on various aspects of virtue, and we will be reading the first few sections. I have just seen my former schoolmate Clarinus for the first time in many years. You need not wait for me to add that he is an old man, but I assure you that I found him fit in spirit and sturdy, although he is wrestling with a frail and feeble body. For nature acted unfairly when she gave him a poor domicile for so rare a soul. Or perhaps it was because she wished to prove to us that an absolutely strong and happy mind can lie hidden under any exterior. Be that as it may, Clarinus overcomes all these hindrances, and by downplaying his own body, has arrived at a stage where he can downplay other things also. The poet who sang, Worth shows more pleasing in a form that's fair, is, in my opinion, mistaken. For virtue needs nothing to set it off. It is its own great glory, and hallows, it hallows the body in which it dwells. At any rate, I have begun to regard Clarinus in a different light. He seems to me handsome and as well set up in body as in mind. A great man can spring from a hovel. So can a beautiful and great soul from an ugly and insignificant body. For this reason, nature seems to me to breed certain men of this stamp with the idea of proving that virtue springs into birth in any place whatever. Had it been possible for her to produce souls by themselves and naked, she would have done so. As it is, nature does a still greater thing, for she produces certain men who, though hampered in their bodies, nonetheless break through the obstruction. I think clearness has been produced as a pattern, as a pattern that we might be enabled to understand that the soul is not disfigured by the ugliness of the body, but rather the opposite, that the body is beautified by the comeliness of the soul. Okay, so a lot of ideas here. Um, clearly, the main idea is that uh, it is not the body that is the essence, but it is the soul. And in fact, the body and its feebleness and its ugliness um, can be the opposite from the beauty of the soul. Um, I find this interesting because, uh, you know, I guess depending on when in Jewish, um, when in Jewish history uh, you look at, or I guess when in attitudes towards Greek philosophy you look at, you'll find different, you know, different characterizations of Greek philosophy. And, uh, you know, the, the Stoics originated in Greece, even though it, it, you know, it went into Rome as well. And it's funny because I, I feel like the stereotype of Greek philosophy is that they worshipped the body, you know. This is clearly not that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't Greeks who did that, uh, but this is clearly not that. You know, this is really saying the opposite, which is that the soul is uh, is the essence. And in fact, he even says something, I mean, he quotes, I don't know who this poet is who he quotes, the one who says, worth shows more pleasing in a form that's fair. Uh, but he says overtly that this poet is mistaken. And uh, and I think it's interesting the way he chooses to frame this, because he says that um, that on the one hand, he says, nature acted unfairly when she gave Clarinus a poor domicile for so rare a soul. So that's like one way to frame it. In other words, you have this person with such a good soul, it is unfair and unjust that such a soul got assigned such a bad body, you know, but then he says, or perhaps it was because she wished to prove that to us that an absolutely strong and happy mind can lie hidden under any exterior, you know? So 
I, I think that's just an interesting exercise in framing. You know, like you you don't you know again the the, the whole premise of stoicism you don't choose uh, the cards that you're dealt, but you choose how to play them. And uh, and a lot of choosing how to play them has to do with how you frame them mentally. And uh, in this case, you know, you don't choose the body that you're given. And by body, we mean you know not only the uh, you know the ugliness of the body, but the health of the body, the genetics, you know, the uh, even things that happen to you at an early age that determine you know how. Uh, how efficient your body is or how healthy your body is, you know, you don't choose that, but you choose how to deal with it. Um, and you choose how to frame it. Um, so this is a good example of that. Um, I, when I think of this, I think of one particular person. Uh, this is someone who I use in my, I use in my Kohelis class in high school. Her name is Claire Wineland. She, she died two years ago. I think it's two years ago now. She was she had cystic fibrosis and she was given a prediction that she would only live for a few years. She lived a few more years after that. She was given a prediction she would only live a few more years. She lived a few years after that. Um, and she ended up living until her, I don't know how old she was. I think she was maybe 21, 22, something, somewhere around there. And she was a motivational speaker um, about uh, her life and about the fact that she had this, you know, this terminal illness that only gets worse and uh the the less you work on yourself then the worse it gets so you kind of have this this you know this thing where you the older you get the more you have to work on yourself the more treatments you have to get and she had this very upbeat positive stoic attitude uh and uh and was able seemingly from all indications of her writing and her podcast and her youtube videos was able to be to live a full and happy life given uh, despite the fact that she died uh she died relatively young um and uh and seeing people like that is definitely you know reading about people like that like in this letter is one thing but seeing examples of people like that is even more inspiring and then knowing people like that is even more inspiring and i've had the the benefit of of having you know, uh, a handful of students over my, um, over my teaching career who have been assigned <laughs> for lack of a better term, uh, bad and inconvenient and un unhealthy bodies, you know, due to factors beyond their control. And they have, uh, they have made the best of it and, uh, and they continue to be an inspiration to me. Um, I, uh, the line here where Seneca says, where is it here? That... Oh, yeah. Um, or perhaps it was because she wished to prove to us that an absolutely strong and happy mind can lie hidden under any exterior. So that reminded me of, uh, of an anecdote. So I just just about maybe half an hour ago, I finished reading the book Trusting the Gold by Tara Brock. Um, this is the third Tara Brock book that I've read. I do not recommend this one. I recommend Radical Compassion first and then Radical Acceptance as a close second uh, and uh, and this Trusting the Gold as a, as a, as a distant third. Um, but she, uh, the, the title of the book is based on this uh, true anecdote, which I'm going to read the version from Radical Compassion on uh, pages uh, 33 and 34. Okay, so this is a true story. Um, she says... Uh, in the mid-1950s, a new highway in Bangkok was routed through an ancient temple, and the monks were forced to relocate a massive clay statue of the Buddha that had been loved and venerated for many generations. A crane was brought in, but as they began to lift the Buddha, its huge weight shifted, and the clay began to crack. They quickly lowered the statue to the ground, and knowing a storm was coming, covered it with a tarp. Later that evening, the abbot went to inspect the damage and make sure that the statue wasn't getting wet. As he shone his flashlight under the tarp, he noticed a gleam of reflected light coming from the largest crack. When he looked more closely, he wondered if there was something underneath the thick clay. He ran to wake the other monks, and together with chisels and hammers, they began chipping along the other cracks. 
The gleam became brighter and brighter until finally, after long hours of work, the monks stepped back and stared in awe at the sight before them, a Buddha of solid gold. Historians believe that several hundred years earlier, the temple monks themselves had covered the statue with clay. Anticipating an attack by a neighboring army, they hoped to protect their precious Buddha from being looted or destroyed. The monks were all killed in the ensuing battle, but the Buddha survived intact. <laughs> um, when the monks today share the story, they say that in the face of threats or challenges, each of us has a habitual way of covering the gold. Our suffering comes when we identify with our perspective covering and forget the loving awareness that is the, that is intrinsic to our being. Now, Tarbrock goes on to explain uh, uh, how this uh, is an analogy for the intrinsic goodness of the human being and the soul, um, and uh, that that's something I'm still thinking through and is a, you know, is obviously a matter of debate, but I think one thing that Judaism and Stoicism have in common, certainly this, this letter, letter of Seneca is, um, whether or not you say the soul is intrinsically good or whatever you say about the intrinsic nature of the soul, the idea is that the soul is the gold and the, the clay covering is the body, you know, and the, the clay covering is, is just that it's a covering. It's not the actual, it's not actually who you are essentially. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the the awareness that that your soul, that the thinking, choosing part of you is the real you uh, is really the essence of, of stoicism. And it's the essence of uh, of of the Jewish idea of, of you know, of focusing on being bocher batov and, and not being able to control the uh, the outcome. Um, so I thought that that was a really good muscle to accompany the uh, the the letter of Seneca here. Um, I also think that it is. Um, that hold on just one second here oh yeah this mistake he identifies from the poet of uh the poet who said worth shows more pleasing in a form that's fair i think it's not just a mistake in the sense that it's a false idea i think there is a certain um trap you could fall into where you you esteem someone's worth as a person based on their physical appearance i mean this is the the puzzle in michele um that says um uh, uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. Let me just quote it, and then I'll check it. Nezim zahav ba'af chazir isha yafa vasaras tam. Right. So, like a gold, uh, uh, a gold ring and the snout of a pig. Um, so is a beautiful woman who lacks reason. Uh, you know, uh, this idea that it's not just that that it's not just the mistake of of evaluating. How should I put it here? It's not just the mistake of evaluating someone based on their their external appearances, but it's the fact that, like, in other words, let let's say you have a uh, a person who is has a a beautiful soul and an ugly form, and someone who has a beautiful soul and a beautiful form. The attribution of greater worth to the person who has a beautiful form that itself is a mistake. I mean, you you can argue that that such a person has a greater impact on others in many ways, you know. Um, but uh, but I, you know, in other words, a person needs to be be cautious of attributing greater worth to a person based on their on their external appearances, and not in other words, it's not just a matter of mixing up the value of the soul and the body. It's also a matter of being lured into attaching higher uh, higher value to someone based on their physical appearances, even if they do have a worthwhile soul. Okay, so um, to close, um, you um, may have heard if you're listening to this in real time. Uh, that this episode is dedicated, or really all of this week's tour content has been sponsored by the Resnick family in dedication to the loving memory of Sylvia Tanzer, uh, Sarah Hashab ben uh, Bas Chaim Moshe, and Irving Tanzer, Yisrael ben Yechezkel. Um, so uh, I, when when I was first contacted about um, about this sponsorship, uh, I, you know, I like to know about who 
you know, who things are dedicated to. You know, I'm I'm somewhat. I mean, I'm I'm not. I'm not saying this as a criticism, but I'm somewhat annoyed when when people ask, they say, oh, Davin for so-and-so, you know, um, and they just don't say who the person is. You know, I'd like to know who the person is. And so so I, I asked the person who uh, who proposed this this uh, donation to tell me a little bit about each of these individuals. And I want to focus on uh, Sylvia Tanzer in this episode. Um, so she was a, a non-communicative stroke victim for the last around 15 years of her life. But during her lifetime, during her, uh, you know, during during bef- before the stroke, she clerked for a judge uh, up until the day that she had her stroke, and she worked uh, even when it was less common for women to do so. And she raised three daughters, and uh, I was told this is a uh, by her her granddaughter that she um, she was not a snuggly sort of grandparent, but she was tough, and loving, and she cared about truth and justice. And I think this is a good example that. You know, you cannot always control when something happens to your physical health. And a person could suffer a stroke and be non-communicative for for fifteen for the last fifteen years of her life. But but that's not who the person is. The person is their soul, and uh, and uh, and the person is who they were during their lifetime and what their values were. And um, I think it is. Um, I think it is. Uh, I think. I don't know. It's fitting to recognize, you know, uh, we, we, you know, if we're lucky, we get old. And, uh, and, you know, I've been thinking about old age a lot lately now that I've visited Popo, my, my grandmother, who's, who's 96 and who's getting older and uh, is suffering from dementia. And, um, and, you know, the, uh, you cannot control when stuff happens to your body and your brain, uh, but you can control how you live when you uh when you are in control of your faculties uh i know that sounds redundant but uh something that we could always use reminders of especially as we progress more towards that uh that stage of life so uh that is it for today's episode uh and uh thank you to the uh to the resident family for sponsoring this week's uh tour content if you've gained from what you've learned here today please consider contributing to my patreon at www.patreon.com alternatively if you would like to make a direct contribution to the rabbi torah content fund my venmo is at matt-schneeweiss and my zell slash chase quickpay and paypal are matt-schneeweiss at gmail.com even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more to our content for you if you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or an entire week's worth of content, as uh, the Resnick family did this week, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas.gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.